church today, we're continuing in our Knowing God series. It seems like that's been the prevalent theme ever since I've been back. We've been in Philippians 3.10 and in the King, New King James Version. It says, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Church, how powerful that is because the Apostle Paul had determined that everything he previously had valued in life and thought was important and significant in life was no longer a concern to him. But knowing God and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings and being conformed to his selfless death. Church, when I go to heaven, I want to go the way Jesus went and Jesus went to heaven after he had given his life away. I want to go to heaven the same way. That I do not live my life self-centeredly, thinking only of myself and what I want. I do not want to live my life selfishly, but I want to, when I go, to heaven. I want to have given my life away just as Jesus gave his life away on the cross of Calvary, conformed even to his death. So we're in the Knowing God series, but the particular part that we are on is the divine mission of the Holy Spirit. If we're going to know God and the power of his resurrection, we have to know who the Holy Spirit is and what his divine mission was when he came to earth and still is. We're still in the age of the Holy Spirit. Listen to Philippians 3.10 in the Amplified Bible. It's, it says some words that I want to point out to you. And this, so that I may know him experientially. Let me just stop right there. That means that you not only know about God, but you are living your life experiencing God. Put your hands over your heart and say, Lord, I want to know you experientially. I want to experience you in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. This should be the desire of each and every one of us that we not only know about God, it is important to know about God and to learn about him, but that it moves in our life, that knowledge of God moves into the realm of experience, that on a daily basis, we experience the love of God, 
the power of God. We experience, you know, church, I think a lot of times we're experiencing God and we don't realize it's the Holy Spirit revealing God to us when you've had a problem and suddenly the answer comes to you. Do you know what? You've just experienced God. Hallelujah. When maybe you got up in, in the morning and you had an ache here or a pain there or Pastor Davies called out an upset stomach, even ulcers, and you pray, you lay your hands maybe on that part of your body that's hurting, and uh, a while later you realize, oh, that, pr- that pain is gone. I feel fine now. You have experienced God. Church, I'm going to tell you that just uh, eight days before Pastor J.B. Whitfield and the Agape, in fact, the Agape faith team uh, was shortly to arrive. But eight days before, on a Saturday, I had prayed about a building I need to build for, uh, for classrooms, and I had struggled with it. I could not seem to sense that I'd laid hold of it by faith. I've given, I've prayed, I've sown seed, I've been responding to God, but suddenly that Saturday I prayed and I just simply said, Lord, I receive it from you. I receive it. I received the $150,000 to build that building, and I thank you for it. And I just spent some time thanking God. And you know, what happened is that eight days later, I experienced a move of God, an answer to prayer. So church, when, when we're talking about that I may know him, It is not just to factually know God, but experientially. Increase your faith that you will begin experiencing God even on a daily basis. Becoming more and more thoroughly acquainted with Him. You know, walking in manifestation of the knowledge of God is much greater than just knowing facts about God. Becoming more thoroughly acquainted with him. Understanding the remarkable wonders of his person more completely. And in that same way, experience the power of his resurrection, which overflows and is active in Believers, church, now the Holy Spirit is active. The resurrection power of Christ is active in believers. If you'll receive it, if you'll believe it, everything in God operates by faith. You hear the word, but if you don't receive the word and believe the word and respond to the word, you won't experience what God has for you to experience. But We are to experience the divine resurrection power of Jesus Christ now through his spirit. And that I may share the fellowship of his sufferings. Here's what the suffering's about. 
by being continually conformed, that means changed, inwardly into his likeness, even to his death, dying as he did, having given his life away. If you have access to this translation, I recommend you get in Philippians 3.10 in the Amplified Bible and pray. Pray your way through this scripture. Commit yourself. Believe Believe that you've received and watch the Lord begin to work in your life. Paul had been born again. And Paul had received the power of the Holy Spirit. But through this particular scripture, we can see his thinking had changed. Church, I want you to know, as you go forward in God, your thinking has to change. Not only had his thinking changed, his desires had changed. Paul did not desire the th- same things he had previously desired. So often, church, we find ourselves desiring the things of the earth. Look at your desires. See what are you desiring. So often, uh, people's prayers center, center around material things. Housing, uh, clothing new shoes, a new car, and so on and so forth. And it's not that these things are bad, but are they greater than your desire for experiencing God? Experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit. God responds in a greater way when your heart's desire is for him and you're not just continually praying and asking him to give you things. But when there's a shift in your life and you begin to say, Lord, above any prayer I make to you today, this is my prayer. I want to know you. I want to know the power of your resurrection now. When you begin to pray things like that, it's not that you never pray about other things, but this kind of praying begins to overtake and become greater than the praying of, Lord, I need I, I need that 50 shillings change back. That, that cab driver hasn't sent me that 50 shillings. You know, Francis, when you come around people that are going to hold their ground till they get their 50 shillings, I find that amazing. I mean, don't we have bigger things to be? I mean, I say bless that man with that 50 shillings and add at least 50 more to it and say, God bless you. Hallelujah. So Paul is expressing a great shift that had taken place in his life and that his desires had changed from 
uh, you read the previous nine verses, the things he used to value, the things he used to desire. He had let all of that go. His value system had changed. And church, when your value system changes, that's when God pours out greater measures of the Holy Spirit upon our lives. Hallelujah. And so I think sometimes um, we need to stress the change in our thinking, the change in our desires. Why did those changes come? Because Paul was living a new kind of life. He was living a new life, not the old life that he had once lived. And I think we need to stress that more when people are born again, that you are now entering a new life. And this new life is not to be lived as we once lived our old life. A chaplain, this is a British man, once asked a young man in the British military, when you think of the cross of Christ, what do you see? This chaplain asked this young military man, when you think of the cross of Christ, what do you see? And this young man said, well, I see soldiers gambling over the robe of Jesus. The chaplain interrupted him and said, if that's all you see, you will have trouble living the Christian life. When I see the cross, I see Chaplain Taylor Smith. I was crucified with Christ. That's so important when we look upon the cross for every one of us to see ourselves there that we were crucified with Christ. And the life I now live is a different life than the life I lived before I knew Christ. Church, can you say amen? Romans 6 and verse 3 in the Message Bible says, um, well, Romans 6, 3 in the message says, we entered into the new country of grace, a new life in a new land. Church, when you were born again, you entered into a new country of grace. What is that? It's the kingdom of God. The land of grace is the kingdom of God. And in the kingdom of God, we live a new life that is different from our old life before we knew God. And we were not citizens of the kingdom of God. I'm sure all of us were just living the best way that we knew how to live. But now that we know Christ, we know that we're living in a new country of grace, a new, land, a new life in a new land where Jesus Christ is our Lord. And then on the day of Pentecost, so we're born again, the Father sent the Holy Spirit to be with us to the end. Church, the Holy Spirit's significance in your life cannot be overstated. 
It's so, so important that we understand when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, He comes into your life on a mission. Say, the Holy Spirit is on a mission in my life. He doesn't come just for no reason, but He has come into our lives with a mission. He's come to be with us forever. He will never leave us nor forsake us. But this is what this lesson is on today. The divine mission of the Holy Spirit. Uh, He's come to be with us. He's come to live in us to fulfill his divine heavenly mission. God created you with a call and a purpose, and you cannot fulfill your call or your purpose without the Holy Spirit in your life. Flesh and blood does not have access to the kingdom of God, but the Holy Spirit works in our lives and gives us power to fulfill God's purpose in our lives. And that should be a part of our daily praying. Father, fill me once again. Now, this is not like the first time you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. But church, the level of Holy Spirit you had a week ago, well, that has leaked out. That that has been used. We continually need to be refilled with the Holy Spirit, with the presence of God, and with the power of God, that's very, very, very significant. And so we cannot fulfill our divine purpose without continually being refilled with the Holy Spirit. Let me say something that comes up in my heart. It is so essential to be filled with the Holy Spirit that you practice forgiveness daily. Strife, unbelief, anger, fussing, fighting, complaining, gossip, the works of the flesh grieve the Holy Spirit. Grieve the Holy Spirit. What does grieve the Holy Spirit mean? It means he is not working in you are responding through you that before you got in that mess you could tell the Holy Spirit working and flowing and moving in your life but church unforgiveness strife the just letting the tongue say anything the tongue wants to say I'm telling you will grieve the Holy Spirit of God. And you find he's not talking to you. He's not moving. Uh, The power of God is not being released in your life. This is a daily thing we must be on guard about. For the Holy Spirit to fulfill his divine mission is that the believer knows the enemy comes every day to steal, to kill, and destroy. He never abandons his mission. 
But when the believer gets in strife and unforgiveness and quarreling, fussing and fighting and other works of the flesh as well, what are we doing? We're abandoning our mission. And until we repent of the works of the flesh and ask for forgiveness and and say, Holy Spirit, fill my heart once again with the love of God. May the love of God flow once again through my heart. Church, then we're not fulfilling our divine mission. John 16, beginning with verse 5. John 16, verse 5, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. And he says, but now I go away to him who sent me. And none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I've said these things to you, in in fact, he had told them he was leaving them. Sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, other translations say the comforter, who is that church, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, this is our main scripture today, When he has come, that means on the divine mission for which he has come from heaven to earth. When he has come, he will, number one, convict the world of sin. Number two, and of righteousness. And number three, and of judgment. Just stay right there. This is the divine mission of the Holy Spirit. All the works, all the graces, all the gifts, all the power of the Holy Spirit is released in this mission to convict of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Go forward. Of sin, because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more, of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Is there any more? That was it. Okay. So, church, the key thing that I want to say to you today, get this in your understanding. Anything of eternal value that we have in this life or in the life to come, is a result of the work of the Holy Spirit. Anything of eternal value that you have in your life, now or in the future, next week, next month, next year, anything of eternal value that you have is a result of the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has come to the church, not to the world. Church, listen to that. The Holy Spirit has come to the church, not to the world. He comes to work in us 
and through the church on behalf of the world. The Holy Spirit wants to reach the world, but he comes to the church in order to reach the world. Just as Jesus, the Son of God, had to have a body to do the work that he did upon the earth, so the Holy Spirit needs a body to fulfill his divine heavenly mission upon the earth. And that body is the church of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit has to have a body for the will of God to be expressed. Just as Jesus had a body like your body and like my body, Jesus had to have a body to fulfill his mission to be the Savior of the whole world. So the Holy Spirit has to have a body. Church, the Bible tells us our bodies are the temple of God. We are our hands, our feet, our mouth, and so forth are the tools that God uses to reach the world. Church, you can't just pray. For example, let's say you're praying. You think, well, I don't witness to people, but I'll pray. You can't just pray, Holy Spirit, go over to so-and-so's house and and uh, save them. No, so-and-so, you need to go to so-and-so's house and love on them and be a blessing to them. And eventually the Holy Spirit may touch your mouth and touch your heart and you will tell them that God loves them and that he sent his son to be their savior. And you will be the instrument that God uses to bring that lost soul into the kingdom of God. Church, are you with me? Sometimes praying, in fact, praying like that is ineffectual. No, what we pray is, Holy Spirit, fill me. Give me the grace to speak the words to my friend that I know they need to hear. Touch my mouth. Put your words in my mouth and may my words have the power to convict them of their sin that they may repent and come to Christ. Are you with me, church? The Holy Spirit has a divine mission on earth, but we are the tools that the Holy Spirit uses to go out into the world and to save. The lost. The Holy Spirit wants to fill us and use us. Church, it's important. Pray regularly. Examine your heart, whether you be in faith. Is there any obstacle in your heart or in your life? Any ungodly attitude? I mean, I was praying last night, and the Lord <laughs> told me. I had a sarcastic attitude about something. Do you know what sarcastic means? That I had, and it, it involved American politics. It doesn't have any, it wasn't Pastor Davies, it wasn't Tina, 
wasn't in, it wasn't one of you. It regarded American politics. And that, and, and church, he didn't tell me I was wrong in what I was thinking, but my attitude had become sarcastic. Do you know what I did? I said, Lord, you forgive me for that sarcasm. You're right. I mean, church, I used to be uh, a trained debater. And you know, we're taught to slice and dice. <laughs> and, but the Lord delivered me of that. I mean, after I was born again, he showed me those attitudes. But you know, I stand guard. I have to be sensitive. I, I repent like you do. And so a sarcastic attitude is not a loving attitude. You can be sarcastically right but you're wrong. The attitude of your heart is wrong. What is supposed to flow from our hearts, church, is the love of God, the grace of God. Are you with me? So God wants to fill us and use us by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is knowing God. This is understanding how God works in our lives. And so number one, he wants to fill us and use us to glorify Christ. The Holy Spirit wants to fill us and use us to glorify Christ. In other words, he, he wants us to allow him to work in our hearts and shape us into the image of God. We are to be God's image bearers. So this is a great work of God. See, when he told me that I had a sarcastic attitude, what was he doing? He was working, first of all, on my image bearing. Hallelujah. You know, I, I just have to keep my foot out of the realm of politics a whole lot because I know I'm right. <laughs> You know, and uh, I know the other side is wrong. It, they hold very ungodly positions. And, um, but but that, that work of the Holy Spirit to transform our lives, transform our inner man so that we bear the image of God on the inside is the first work of the Holy Spirit. We have to give... Uh, Make that a priority in our lives, that we're aware the Holy Spirit is still forming the image of God in us. And then number two, so that has to do, the first, number one, being an image bearer of God, has to do with God filling us, first to glorify Christ, and then number two, it is the Holy Spirit wants to fill us and then use us to witness to a lost world and tell them that God loves them and that Jesus Christ will save them from their sins. And so first, the Holy Spirit works in us to glorify Christ in our character that we may bear the image of God and having done that, number two, he uses us to witness to others. John 16 and verse 8. When he has come, he will convict the world. So this is the work of the Holy Spirit. 
convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. That word convict, it means to expose. Oh my goodness. So the work of the Holy Spirit is to expose. Expose what's in us and expose what's in others. It means to bring to light, to reprove, to correct, and to convince. So when he has come, he will convict. Church, it's very important that God is always able to convict us of sin. Not just the world, but, you know, we also, yes, the kingdom of God is within us, but it's within this clay body, would you agree? Yes, it's in this human life that is not yet perfected, and we need to be able to be convicted of sin. How quickly the Lord can convict you of sin and bring you to a place of repentance tells us the condition of one's heart. If the Lord works for six months to get you to tell your wife, sweetheart, men, you know I love you, but this is just an example. I'm not talking about anyone in here. I know that. Sweetheart. I shouldn't have snapped at you like I did. I spoke hastily. I, my heart wasn't right. The tone of my voice wasn't right. I know I wounded you. Would you please forgive me? I wouldn't hurt you for anything. I love you. You're the love of my life. And, and all of that. Now, did it take 15 minutes or did it take six months? to get you into that position of repentance. That tell, that's conviction. Church, someone who is full of the Holy Spirit needs to be easily convicted of sin. Quickly convicted. Let the Holy Spirit quickly point out when you have a sarcastic attitude or this or that. Are you with me, church? conviction of sin. It exposes, it brings it to the light. It corrects us. It convinces us. Hallelujah. God's able to convince us. The Holy Spirit just has one sin it convicts the world of, and that is unbelief. Not believing on the Lord Jesus Christ as their, to be their Savior. So, the Holy Spirit convicts the world of its unbelief. Until you have believed on Jesus, you've repented of your sin. Church, you are not saved. I know, religiously speaking, I was told as a 12-year-old child, I was given a white, small New Testament, a zipper New Testament. I had water sprinkled on me. The pastor went like that. He went down the row. He would dip his hand, sprinkle, dip his hand, sprinkle. And I was told I was a, a Christian. There was no repentance uh, from unbelief. I was not taught to put my faith in a Savior 
to forgive me of my sin. So it didn't matter that I went to church for years. It, it didn't matter all the good things I'd done. Are you with me, church? Romans 10, verse 9 through 10 in the King James Bible says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So the opposite of unbelief is believing. And we see in Romans 10, 9 and 10 that the way to salvation is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and to confess him as your Savior and your Lord and you're sincerely uh, repenting of your sin as you do so. So the Holy Spirit, let's go back to Philippians 3 and 10. Philippians 3, 10. So, wait, I'm sorry, John 16 and verse 8. There we go. He will convict the world of sin and of righteousness. Let's look at righteousness. The Holy Spirit convicts us of righteousness. Whose righteousness? Whose righteousness is this? It's the righteousness of Jesus Christ, the sinless, spotless, perfect Lamb of God. When Jesus was on the earth, he came as he came forth on a mission from heaven to reveal the righteousness of God to men. But the world did not receive him. John 1 and verse 10 in the Amplified Classic says, He came into the world, and though the world was made <clears throat> through him, the world did not recognize him and notice, did not know him. When Jesus walked the face of the earth as the soon-to-be Savior as the righteousness of God. The world did not know him. He told them he was sent from heaven on a divine mission. They did not know him. They did not recognize righteousness. What God says is righteous, the world did not have any knowledge of righteousness. And so... They did not receive him. He came into the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him, did not know him. When Jesus was here, church, men did not know, nor did they understand the righteousness of God. We cannot know or understand the righteousness of God, except the Holy Spirit reveals it to us. We cannot know the righteousness of God unless we open our hearts and say, Father, teach me by your word through the Spirit your true righteousness. 
Church, we cannot understand it, we cannot know it, and we cannot walk in it without the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, it is the Holy Spirit uh, who reveals the righteousness of God. But when Jesus walked the earth, do you know men called him a liar? Men looked at Jesus and they called him a deceiver. They called Jesus uh, 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 Beelzebub. They called him the prince of demons. See, men did not understand the righteousness of God. Men thought the righteousness of God was when you dressed a certain way and they thought the priests were righteous because they dressed a certain way and they were in the temple doing certain things. But men did not understand the righteousness of God. They, they called Jesus a lawbreaker, a blasphemer. Can you imagine men accusing Jesus, who was the righteousness of God, of being a lawbreaker, a liar, the prince of demons? They accused him of being demon-possessed. Why? Because they did not understand the righteousness of God. They did not understand it, nor did they know what it looked like. So it is the Holy Spirit who convicts men of righteousness, who reveals true righteousness to them. Otherwise, church, we cannot understand what God calls righteousness. So the ministry of the Holy Spirit to unbelievers and believers as we continue to grow in God, is a ministry of conviction. Church, I want to say again, be easy to be convicted by God if you want to grow in God. Be easy to repent. Don't let it take six months or a year for you to finally admit you missed it. Are you with me? It is the Holy Spirit who reveals the Savior. So, church, it is very important that we ask the Holy Spirit, whether we're praying for an unbeliever, we pray, Holy Spirit, convict my brother. If you have an unbelieving brother, convict my brother of sin. Convict him that he needs a Savior. It is the Holy Spirit who does the ministry of conviction. You can't put your finger in another person's face and say, you dirty, rotten, on and on, all kinds of names. You're shaking your finger and think that is going to bring them to repentance. Are you with me, church? No, it is the Holy Spirit who convicts us, leads us into repentance. And so it's a very important thing that maybe you're believing for a lost loved one. This is the mission of the Holy Spirit, is to convict of sin and of righteousness 
and of judgment, that when you pray for others, you're asking that the conviction of the Holy Spirit would be upon them. But church, it's very important that we pray for ourselves, that we would not be stubborn, that we would not be hard-hearted, that we would not deceive ourselves, that there is no area that the Holy Spirit needs to convict us. I didn't get any amens on that. I saw a couple of people shake their heads. But it is very important that we not deceive ourselves that we're so mature and, you know, we're so, uh, I'm Pastor Carla, I never need to be convicted of sin. I mean, that is far from the church. Church, each one of us needs to pray for ourselves. Father, may I be easily convicted and brought to repentance by the work of the Holy Spirit. I'm not getting many amens, but I'm getting some head shakes on that. Hallelujah. Conviction. Church, understand this about the divine mission of the Holy Spirit. Conviction is one of the major ministries of the Holy Spirit. I know people think, well, no, the major ministry of the Holy Spirit is to give me a thrill and to cause the hair to stand up on the back of my head and, you know, so forth. No, one of the major ministries of the Holy Spirit is to convict us when we've missed it or we're going to miss it. It's a spirit of conviction. And church, that helps us be easily led by the Holy Spirit. Do you want to be easily led? Do you want to be daily led by the Spirit? You have to have a spirit of conviction of the Holy Spirit. This doesn't mean we're sin conscious. No, it says he's come to also convict us of righteousness. And we are the righteousness of God. Now, if we've missed it, we need to be convicted but righteousness is uh, so important. It's the reason God created man. God said, it is right that I create man in my image. Do you know the very fact that we exist is, is part of the righteousness of God? God, look, God thought about you. He dreamed of you. He, he caused you to be born in the earth. And do you know he created you for his righteousness? The reason God created man was because of his great love and his desire for fellowship. Now, I want to teach you something about righteousness. God loves you, but understand this. He desires your fellowship. God wants time with you. God wants intimacy with you. God wants to talk to you and he wants you to talk to him. God wants to be your friend. You won't understand righteousness unless you understand that. God loves you and he wants your fellowship. His heart is hungry for your fellowship. He fellowshiped with Adam and Eve, we're told in Genesis. He would walk with them in the garden, in the cool of the day, and they would talk and fellowship 
with one another. They had an intimate relationship with God. But then Adam and Eve disobeyed God. They paid attention to a lie from Satan. They disobeyed God, and they fell from the righteousness of God. They fell from his glory. They fell from his righteousness, and where before they had been intimate, now there is a great gulf between them. And church, as a result of falling into sin, And being separated from God, do you know what the result is? It's a sense of unworthiness. Men have a sense of inferiority, a sense of condemnation. Something's wrong with me. I'm not good enough. I'm not like other people. And there's a sense of isolation. After men fell from the glory. When you fall from the glory, you're falling from the righteousness of God. That's very important to understand. Now we can begin to understand that uh, because of sin and broken fellowship, there was a great gulf between God and man. So God sent Jesus to the earth to redeem us out of our fallen state of sin and bring us back into his righteousness that we might once again know that God loves us and he wants fellowship with us. You see, God is perfect. In him, there is no unrighteousness. There is no unrighteousness in God, nor is there any unrighteousness in his presence. So God had a problem. Thank God he's God. And he knew how to solve that problem. And he he sent Jesus Christ to redeem us out of our sin and cause us to be translated into the kingdom of God where we're restored to the righteousness of God. So now... Not only did he redeem us from sin because he loved us, but church, he redeemed us from sin because he created us to have fellowship with him. So we're not only forgiven of sin and redeemed out of sin, but we're restored. We're given the free gift of righteousness that God's original purpose in creating us to have fellowship with him might be restored. Church, I want you to hear these words today and make up your mind. I am going to have fellowship with God on a daily basis because my Father has paid such a price not just to redeem me from sin, but church, he created Adam Adam and Eve out of his great love to have fellowship, intimacy, communion, to walk and talk together. He created them for fellowship. And that is the reason. We're redeemed out of sin and restored to fellowship with God. So you may say, well, Pastor Carla, because of all the traffic and how far I live from work, I have to leave my house at 6 o'clock in the morning. 
I know there are times, Tina, to get to your work, and it's not all that far. I mean, it's not in our backyard, but it's not, Pangani Girls is not clear across the city. But there are times Tina leaves at 6.15, 6.30, something like that. I understand that. But understand the reason that we have been redeemed and restored to our God is to have fellowship with him. So if you have to get up at 4 a.m. to have half an hour of fellowship, you read the word, you talk to God through the word. I don't know about you, but I talk and I pray while I'm reading the scripture. It can take me a good while sometimes to get through a, a portion of scripture because church, I'm eating it. I take it in. I digest it. I'm fellowshipping with God. I, I'm talking to him. I'm praying. And very often I hear. And so I keep a place to write things down because let me tell you, he redeemed you to have fellowship with you. We cannot ignore that part of our life with God. Schedule a time of fellowship with God. Well, Pastor Carla, I just, I just don't have time. You have to make time for fellowship with God. We all have to make time for intimacy with God. Yes, you know, there are times I'd love to stay in bed and snooze another hour and so on and so forth. But church, I throw those covers back and I get up and, you know, I go to the word of God. I go to the place of fellowship with him. How important this is. How important this is. The greatest blessing of being born again, of course, is to be saved, but it is the restoration to the righteousness of God that we once again have an open line of communication with God, our Father. The greatest blessing of being born again is to be established in righteousness. Church, God wants us to be strong and established that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It is a great weakness in a Christian's life if they don't understand that when they were born again, they were translated out of unrighteousness and they were planted into the kingdom of God or the kingdom of righteousness. We have been restored to the righteousness of God. Listen to Isaiah 54, 13 through 14. In the Amplified Classic Bible, it says, And all your spiritual children shall be disciples, taught by the Lord, and obedient to his will. And great shall be the peace and undisturbed composure of your children. See, see, because we've been reestablished in righteousness, church, we're not to fret, to worry, to fear, to be full of anxiety. See, all your spiritual children 
shall be disciples. What does it mean to be a disciple? That means we're taught by the Lord and we're obedient to his will. That's what it means to be a disciple. And as a result of being a disciple, great shall be the peace and undisturbed composure of your children. Do you know, because we've been made the righteousness of God, we're restored to righteousness by the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Church, we're not to lie awake and 1 a.m. our eyes are wide open at night worrying and fretting and all kinds of turmoil going on on the inside. 2 a.m. we're still staring at the ceiling. Do you understand? Great shall be the peace and undisturbed composure of your children when you understand you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Verse 14, here's the key. You shall establish yourself in righteousness. Rightness in conformity with God's will and order. In other words, church, we trust the Holy Spirit to reveal what is right. We trust the Holy Spirit to show us what is right and help us do what is right. In other words, we coming out of the world of darkness, now we're learning to live in righteousness. We're not playing with Christianity. You know, last week I, I mentioned uh, don't lead a double life. You act righteous in church and, you know, for all we know, unless the Lord reveals differently, we think you're righteous. But then you go out into the world and we wouldn't even recognize who you are. We wouldn't even believe it. See, you can't live that way. And have a peaceful life. What does it say? You shall build or establish yourself in righteousness. You shall be far even from the thought of oppression or destruction. For you shall not fear. And from terror for it shall not come near you. See, here's the key to getting rid of the spirit of fear and dread and anxiety is you establish your life in righteousness. And you let the Holy Spirit teach you and train you and form righteousness on the inside of you. This is the divine mission of the Holy Spirit to convict us of sin both the unbeliever and the believer, and to convict us of righteousness, what is right in the sight of God and what is not right in the sight of God. We have nothing to do with it. Are you with me, church? Here's the key. Here is such a major key, is that we build our life in the righteousness of God. Well, what is the righteousness of God? Well, it's the Bible. Thus saith the Lord. When the Bible says don't lie, church, we don't lie. When the Bible says bring all the tithe into the storehouse, we bring all the tithe into the storehouse. That, that is building your life. 
not in what men say is right, but in what God says is right. Remember, the generation that Jesus lived in, they could not even recognize him as righteous and accused him of being demon-possessed. See, on your own, you don't have the ability to always discern what is right and what is wrong. But we have the Holy Spirit, and he convicts us of righteousness. That's one of his major ministries, convicting us. And oh, how important this is in being led by the Spirit. I may not always be able to tell someone why, but I mean those who work with me, leaders in the church, they've heard, at least some of them have heard me say, I don't feel right about that. Well, Pastor Carla, why not? Well, I may not know why. I may not know the reason, but because I, I, I believe to be easily convicted of righteousness, I just want to walk in the footsteps that the Lord has ordered for me. Church, this is establishing our lives in righteousness. We'll be far, even from the thought of oppression and destruction, for we shall not fear. And from terror, for it shall not come near you. Hallelujah. Second Corinthians 5.21, for God made, this is the passion translation, for God made the only one who did not know sin to become sin for us so that we who did not know righteousness might become the righteousness of God through our union with him. See, we didn't know what was righteous. Jesus didn't know sin, but God made him to be sin on the cross of Calvary. He bore our sins in his own body on the tree, but he personally never sinned. Well, we did not know what was righteous, but as a gift, we've been made the righteousness of God. Now, we'll take the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us on a daily basis into what God says is right. That's a major ministry of the Holy Spirit. And church, it is a major key to being led by the Holy Spirit. And you can pray prayers, Father, I want to walk in the righteousness of God today. May I be led by the Spirit. May my footsteps be ordered of the Lord. Lead and guide me into your righteousness today. This is a major ministry of the Holy Spirit. When we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, the Holy Spirit imparts the righteousness of God to us. Oh, what a gift, church, so that we might not only be saved, but once again, we come into divine fellowship with the Lord. And I mean, sometimes on a daily basis, I hear, do this, I'm prompted, there's a prompting, do this, or I hear, 
don't do that. Are you with me, church? It's so key to being led by the Holy Spirit. God the Father is righteous. Jesus Christ the Son is righteous. The Father through the Son, see, the righteousness of God has been has come to us through Jesus. The Father through the Son by the work of the Holy Spirit gives us the gift of righteousness when we repent of our sins and receive salvation. Plenty happens when we do that and we receive the free gift of God's righteousness. Believing ones are declared righteous by heaven, by the Father through the Son, and then we are made righteous by the Holy Spirit working within us. And we will be wholly righteous in the age to come in heaven. Church, all sin, all the works of the flesh <clears throat> will be removed from our lives. We are and will be righteous because we're in covenant with the living God, who is the God of all grace and mercy. And he will complete the good work that he has begun in us. And what is the beginning of his good work in us? He declares and decrees we are righteous so that we may once again fellowship with us with him. But he'll continue that good work. Church, I walk in a higher level of righteousness than I did the day I was born again. Does anybody else have that testimony? I mean, I've learned things. The Holy Spirit has worked in me. So on the day I received Jesus Christ in 1978, heaven decreed me the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But it's been a work. It's been a work to get me to where I am today. See, growing in knowing him, growing in knowing God, growing in knowing his ways, I've in, my walk of righteousness has increased. See, I was decreed righteous here, but, but this righteousness is in a flesh body. My body's not saved. <clears throat> my mind was not saved. And so although I was decreed righteous, the Holy Spirit has been working to make me righteous. Are you with me? Changing my desires, my motives, my thinking, my inward parts, making me righteous, but in the age to come, I will be purely righteous. Church, are you thinking hard? The righteousness of God. I've been declared righteous, but I shall become wholly righteous, W-H-O-L-L-Y, in the age to come. This righteousness, the righteousness of God, church, is not given to us because we deserve it but because Jesus paid the price for us to have it by shedding his own blood. We do not deserve 
the righteousness of God. But because Jesus shed his blood, he is our Savior from all of our sins. Heaven declares we are the righteousness of God because I believe on Jesus. Now, in my walk of faith, the Holy Spirit is at work to develop and form the righteousness of God in my thinking, in my motives, in the thoughts and the intents of my heart. That's where conviction of righteousness comes in so that the Holy Spirit can form this and we mature in our walk of righteousness. But the day is coming. All of the earthly shall be gone and I will be perfectly righteous even as he is righteous and you will be perfectly righteous even. What a gift, church. What a gift. This righteousness is not given to us because we deserve it. But his perfect sinless blood was shed so that we might be forgiven of our sin and receive the free gift of righteousness. It is a gift. Romans 5 and verse 17. The sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over us. But all who receive God's wonderful, gracious gift of righteousness will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Righteousness, the righteousness of God, is a free gift of God's wonderful grace. Righteousness, the gift of righteousness, is God's declaration, church. We have been declared righteous. The gift of righteousness is God's declaration that we are legally acquitted. It's like we came into a court of law and some of us would have been accused of a thousand things. There may be some of us that would have been accused of 10,000 things. I don't know. Uh, I mean, all of us would have been accused of many things in this court of law. Martin, would you have been accused of anything? <laughs> Martin is saying yes. He, he would. Pastor Davies now. There sits 10,000 <laughs> accusations. <laughs> Hallelujah. Elder Francis, would you have been accused of anything? Yes. Now, I don't know if Tina would have much <laughs> on her list of accusations. So, uh, the gift of righteousness means in the heavenly court, all of our sins were noted. Church, this is a legal transaction. Every, every accusation of every way we had sinned in this life, church, we were declared not guilty because of Jesus' payment for our sin. There is no way any of us 
by doing good, trying our best to do good, trying our best to be good, we could never have obtained the free gift of the righteousness of God that would have restored us to fellowship with him. No, but heaven has declared us not guilty because of the blood of Jesus. All who believe on the Lord Jesus are declared the righteousness of God. Now, your walk may not be very righteous the first few days you're born again, but the Holy Spirit will work within us to convict us of what is righteous in our daily walk. Can you say amen? Paul states in Romans 1, 16 through 17, in the New King James, for I am not ashamed, of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek, for in it, that means in the gospel, <clears throat> the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. So church, when we're born again, and even as believers on a daily basis, we receive the righteousness of God by faith. In fact, it's very important that you make part of your confession, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm Church, I'm not a dirty old sinner anymore. No, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Did you miss it? Well, repent of it and then rise up and say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It is a gift from heaven. And oh, how essential it is for us to mature in our walk with God and to understand the Holy Spirit of God. The just receive this free gift of righteousness by faith. Church, we didn't earn it. We don't deserve it. We don't merit it. There's nothing we can do to earn it. It is righteousness is the gift of God. Listen, number one, that we may be saved. See, your sins are removed and you're declared the righteousness of God. But number two, the gift of righteousness is given to us that our fellowship with God might be restored even as Adam and Eve once fellowshiped with God and walked with him and talked with him in the cool of the day in the garden. We're restored to fellowship with him. See, don't go to God. And, and, and right now, there may be things in your life that need to be corrected. You still need to understand you are the righteousness of God. And you repent of those things that the Holy Spirit convicts you of. This, you're not supposed to be sin conscious, but if you, if you do miss it, it may not be very often. Norman doesn't miss it very often. <laughs> I'm going to ask Susan if that's true as soon as church is over. Norman doesn't miss it very often, but if he does miss it, he's quick to repent. 
And that's what all of us should be. But we're not sin conscious just because we miss it on occasion. We're not sin conscious. No, the Holy Spirit is trying to teach us to be righteousness conscious so that we can be led by the Holy Spirit. Church, you just cannot be led by the Holy Spirit without a consciousness that the Holy Spirit will show you what is right. He will lead you into righteousness. He will teach you what is of God and what is not of God. Are you with me, church? So, we receive the gift of righteousness by faith. We're restored. We're saved and restored to our fellowship with God. Now we can say, even when we've missed it, church, we can still say, Abba, Father. See, even when I miss it, I have to realize I'm the righteousness of God. I need to repent of this and get it right. But Abba is still my Father. Because we have received the free gift of righteousness. The free gift of righteousness is granted to all who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. So church, we can never boast or brag about anything. When you understand the free gift of righteousness and how great and loving God is to restore us to his righteousness so that we might be saved and so that we might have fellowship with him. Church, it causes a humility in your heart that you had no power to do any good thing in your life. You had no power to bring this to pass. And so you can't boast. You can never feel like you're better than somebody else or superior to another person. You can never feel that way when you understand the righteousness you do have is a free gift from God. Church, all we can do is say, the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Psalm 86, I'm closing in verse 5, says, you, Lord, are forgiving and good abounding in love to all who call upon you. Church, can you say amen? Pastor Davies, would you please come? I want us to pray just for a moment. I want us to pray. And, and uh, I, I want us to pray about the revelation of the free gift of righteousness, that it would be revealed in our hearts and that the righteousness of God would become a stronghold in this church and in our lives. And then I want us to pray for any of your unsaved loved ones. Some of you have asked me to pray recently for different family members. And Pastor Davies, I want us to pray according to the scripture that the Lord will convict them. The Lord by his spirit will convict them, not only of their sin, but of their need for a savior.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Church, would you stand up, please? Lift your hands before the Lord. Father, we want to give you thanksgiving for the word of God today. That our eyes have been opened, our ears have been opened to hear. And that, Father, we've received understanding about the conviction of righteousness. The work of the Holy Spirit convicting us of righteousness. Father, on behalf of Victory Faith Church, we want to declare before heaven and earth, we receive the free gift of righteousness. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Father, I thank you for your blood that cleanses us from every sin and that you've restored us to yourself and you've decreed us righteous who have believed upon the name of Jesus. Father, that may that be a revelation in each and every heart that we are the righteousness of God and that the Holy Spirit will teach us righteousness. The Holy Spirit will lead us in righteousness. The Holy Spirit, Father, will make righteousness a stronghold in this people. And Father, we just thank you. We receive the convicting work of the Holy Spirit. If we miss it, we want to be convicted. If we miss it, Father, we want to know it. But Father, I'm asking that you would train Victory Faith Church to walk in the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Father, you said the time is now. The time is now. Now is the time for your church to rise up in the righteousness of God and do the works of the kingdom. Teach us righteousness, Father. Lead us by the righteousness of God in Jesus' name. Would you pray for the families? Yes. Father, thank you for the promise of your word that you have given to us concerning our families to bring them into the kingdom of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. And right now, Father, we, we thank you for whom you have made us the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And through that you have called us even to come boldly to the throne of grace. That you may obtain mercy through that, that righteousness. That you may obtain grace to help us in time of need. And Father, we come boldly asking you as you asked us to pray for the Lord of the harvest. To send forth laborers to our family members the preaching of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, that the gospel preached to them may unveil a continual revelation of God's righteousness, a perfect righteousness given to every single person who believes. We pray, Father, for our family members, for revelation, for their eyes to be open, their hearts to be open their ears to be open and through the power that in the name of Jesus we take authority 
over the God of this world who blinds the minds of those who do not believe. <coughs> we bind the devil in the name of Jesus. We bind every of his activity around our family members. We break your power in the name of Jesus and we release the power of the Holy Spirit to speak to them of their position in Christ Jesus. To speak to them the truth. We bind the father of lies, the enemy, the devil in the name of Jesus and cast him out. And we release the spirit of truth around our family members. We release the spirit of truth to speak to them concerning their position to become in, to come into the kingdom of God and be born again. We thank you, Father, and we praise you. We plead the blood of Jesus of our family members right now. We plead the blood. We speak the blood of Jesus. Say, we plead the blood. Say it. We plead the blood of Jesus of our family members, of unsaved family members. We plead the blood of Jesus upon each one of them. And Father, we thank you for their salvation. Ahead of time, we give you all the glory and honor. Thank you, Father, for saving them in Jesus' name.